Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 834 of the Juicebox podcast. Guess what, everybody? Erica Forsyth is back. That's right. Your favorite licensed marriage and family therapist is here again today. Today, I start the conversation off with Erica by asking her to talk about a sentence that I hear spoken very frequently. People love to say, I don't let diabetes get in my way. I'm not letting diabetes slow me down. Hear it all the time. And I hear it two different ways when people say it to me. And Eric and I talk through it. And then at some point, we talk about how to change things. And then it just goes down the slippery slope of my, uh, of my internal workings of my mind. So that'll be fun. You can sit in on a therapy session with me at the end. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Please always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you like Erica and you'd like to hire her and you live in California, Utah, Oregon, or Florida, she's at ericaforsyth.com. This episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by Touched by Type 1. Head now to touchedbytype1.org and also find them on Facebook and Instagram. When you get to these locations, you're going to find an organization doing an immense amount of good for people living with type 1 diabetes. Go see what they're all about. Touchedbytype1.org. The podcast is also sponsored today by my favorite blood glucose meter the Contour Next One. And you're going to find out way more about the Contour Next One than you ever thought possible at contournext.com forward slash juice box. Okay. All right. So we're recording. Okay. Um, Erica, before we get started, I have a a growing list of things I'd like to talk to you about. And I thought maybe it would be interesting to just let you pick on the day. Okay. All right. That sounds good. Okay. So here's what I have already. You and I have already talked about. So I don't know if you know this, but when I think of things, I go into this little note and I put like ideas in. So like I put in magical thinking one day and you and I did an Mm -hmm. episode about that mom guilt. Um, We did that one. But since then, I've put in Maslow's pyramid. Do you know that? Yeah. Okay. I put in scarcity mindset. I put yep. I put in charitable interpretations. Um, I put in what the principle of charity and critical thinking is. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, this jumps all over the place. How to support mm-hmm. how to support suicidal people. Um, I want to talk about the statement that people make that says, "I don't let diabetes slow me down." I want to talk about how people interact with each other online. I want to talk about rebellion as like a human decision. Like what happens to a person's mind when they say like, my mom wants me to do this. So I'm going to do the opposite. Like I'm fascinated by that. Mm. And just life expectations. Mm -hmm. Like how does it impact your life when you paint a picture for yourself and then it starts to deviate immediately because it it will. Um, I also have on here how to share burdens. Like when you have a burden, how do you learn to share it with somebody um, and then people diagnosed with type one as an adult, how they could find community, 
um, engage their partners for support and things like that. So mm-hmm. that's my list so far. Uh, do you have a choice for today? Oh my goodness, that's an exciting and extensive list. We got to keep you busy. You got this new microphone. <clears throat> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, everybody, Erica bought a nice microphone, so we're going to give her a lot to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's exciting. It's yeah. good stuff. Um, goodness, where do we want to start? Do you, are you, do you have a, a leaning? I think. I, I will you tell know, you sharing this. The, yeah, go if ahead. we started to talk about anything off this list, I'd start getting ramped up and want to talk about it. So it doesn't matter to me. Um, but what's been on my list the longest for you? Maybe we could do it that way. Um, I think I think the statement about not letting diabetes slow me down is really interesting to me. You I do- was leaning towards that or how to share like the burden piece, I think, is a, is a topic that comes up quite frequently, particularly mm-hmm. with caregivers. So, yeah, either one of those let's start, I think would let's be start most relevant. Let's start with the statement. We'll see where it goes. Maybe we'll get to two of them today or maybe the next time you come on, we'll do that. So, uh, I, I'm not going to need any notes for this. I'm not going to need the internet. This is all just anecdotal for me. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll begin by saying that when I first heard somebody say, I don't let diabetes slow me down, I thought that's amazing. This is a person who's saying, I have this thing, but I do everything I want to do. And, and it doesn't get in my way. I thought, what a, what a beautiful statement. And then I started interviewing more and more people. And I started to realize that for some of those people, what that statement means is, even though I have diabetes, what I do is I ignore it, and then I just do whatever I want. And in their mind, they're not letting diabetes get in their way. Does that do you, does that resonate with you as a person who has mm-hmm. type 1? I think I think it could really go both ways. I think there is the, the avoidance, kind of I'm going to ignore it and not let it stop me from doing what I want. And by that, you're maybe you're not actively managing it, mm-hmm. or there is the hyper focus, hyper management. You really truly can do quote whatever you want, eat whatever you want, exercise however you want, and you figured it out. And while there is parts of your life that may, diabetes interferes with, for the most part, you view, view your narrative of your life is I'm living my life and I have diabetes, but it doesn't stop me. So I think it can go both ways, right? You know, no, and I and I think that I think that broadly and and mostly it's a great mindset. Like mm-hmm. absolutely the way to go. Like this thing's not gonna stop me. But if it's stopping you, ignoring it and just trudging on is not the answer. You know, I I, I interview people every day, just this week, 12 year old, um, you know, when she's diagnosed. And she said it. She's like, I never let it stop me. I played this many sports in school and I did all this and I did that. And then the last 30 minutes of our conversation are about the injection she's getting in her eyes and she can't feel her feet. And, you know, like what she meant was I just kept going, which is admirable, by the way, beyond admirable, honestly. But there's a way to there's a way to learn about diabetes and to corral it and, and work with it so that you can really go do whatever you want without it hurting you while you're, it's, it doesn't need to be a trade-off. And I don't know, like I've never heard, it's the one statement that sticks out in my head because no matter which side of this, this scenario, I hear people speak mm-hmm. about it, they say it the same exact way. That's the part that fascinates me. I don't let diabetes get in my way. 
And that can come out of a person's mouth who has a 5-2 A1C and knows how to keep their blood sugars between 70 and 140 all day. And that same proud statement can come out of someone's mouth who has an 11 A1C for their whole life. I, I was just thinking, I wonder what the difference is internally between that sense of kind of healthy pride and maybe inter- and maybe shame, right? Like mm-hmm. uh, the person who is not managing and says, I don't let diabetes get in my way. I'm, I'm guessing there might be some shame. There might be some anger, disappointment. I can't deal with the process, what this means to live with this chronic illness. And so I'm just going to ignore it. And I'm not going to let it stop me, but I'm still, but I'm ignoring it. And I, you might feel awful, probably physically, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Whereas the person who's saying with pride, like I can do this, I imagine they probably feel pretty good about themselves. They've done the work, they figured it out. Um, they have the skill set, they have the tools, they have the availability to, you know, to have all the things that you need to manage well. Um, so there, even though maybe it's coming out the same way, I'm, I'm guessing that probably internally the, the, the narrative is a little different. Yeah. So one side is, is like genuine pride and just like, wow, I can't believe I've accomplished this. And the other side might be a mask. It might be, yes. I'm being beaten by this thing, but I'm just going to, I'm going to go on like it's not happening. And, yes. and then there's pride in that, I imagine, too, which and that's not misplaced. Y- you know, like if you're just like, look, I'm, it almost it's like you're in a movie and you get shot and you're like, you know, some some people are like, go on without me. I'm going to lay here and die. And some of the characters are like, I'm going to do it. And they pick themselves up and they're dragging the bad leg. And I think I think of <laughs> you know, that's how I think of it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like you're like you're injured and you should stop and tend to yourself. And it is brave to just drag your leg on. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but it'd be better if you just stopped, like stop for a second and figure this thing out so that you can make that statement from that place of pride instead of from a place of, I know I'm being beaten. I'm just going to, I'm just going to be tougher than this because eventually you can't be tougher than it at some point. And Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the problems with type Mm -hmm. one, type two as well, honestly, is that Mm -hmm. you can, you can pretend you're doing okay for a while, right up until you're not. You know, that's right. Yeah, that's right. And I think it is, it is actually prevalent. Now you mentioned type two, it is prevalent in the type two community as well, because you, you have lived a certain way. I mean, there are obviously there are different ages of diagnosis, but for the general um, population who are diagnosed as adults with type two, it's hard to shift your way of thinking, eating lifestyle. And it's really challenging to, I, th- I think of actually the, the, the gentleman you had on um, with type two who, and it was really hard for him to accept is it is, is there a connection between, I'm not going to let it stop me and acceptance mm-hmm. of what does this mean to live with this diagnosis for, for type one, type two um, that interferes with how do I take care of myself? Do I want to take care of myself? How do I take care of myself? And if there is, um, all the things, lack of resources, accessibility, support, community, family, all of those things that we need to continue to thrive, those interfere, you know, with that ability to function yeah. and accept it. I mean, honestly, type one almost does you a favor by just stopping taking care of yourself. It, I mean, it really does force you to do something. And then it's that level of understanding that that dictates is this a five, a six, a seven, an eight, nine, ten? Like, what is my what is my A one C? What's my average blood sugar? With type two, you can 
you could ignore it for a good long time. And it may, you may feel tired and then of course get accustomed to feeling tired and then Mm -hmm. something else might happen. You get accustomed to it and it, it'll hit you, you know, all at once, you know, when it's probably too late, which is the reason why I bring this up because, because this is all this talk aside, it's a very human reaction to say, I'm not giving up. It's, Mm -hmm. it's so laudable, you you know, it's why we're all here probably still. Now, I've joked before that if I was on the Mayflower, we'd live somewhere east of the first river we came on. <laughs> because I'd be like, I can't get over that. We're done. Let's just make a house right here. Um, you know, but but other people see that river and they think like, no, most people, we're going to climb over it. We're going to get into a wagon and go from here to Oregon. Are you kidding me? <laughs> like, like it, it, as safe as the world is right now, if I told you to walk to Oregon, you'd be like, I'm not doing that. <laughs> <You know? laughs> That's right. <laughs> I said, no, no, the life you, that you dream of, Erica, it's, it's a 3000 mile. There. Yeah. You'd be like, no, nah, it's all right. I'm good right where I'm at. It, it's so <laughs> like, so that there's something about people. It's, it's, it's wonderful. Right. But then you put it in this exact situation and what, what, starts out as and what is mostly a great trait that will get you through life turns into the thing that's it's stabbing you in the back and you don't realize it right away. I've never heard one person say it and not mean it, if that makes sense. I don't let diabetes slow me down. I don't let diabetes get in my way. Like they always mean it. And so I I don't know, like I'm just so what do you do if you're listening to this and you find yourself thinking, I feel like that. I feel like nothing stops me. I accomplish everything I want. But eh, the guy talking, he's on to something. My A1C is like 8.5. Like, like mm-hmm. how do you shift that mindset to like put that that energy, that desire to like triumph? Like how do you put it into the place where where you might actually figure out how do you take care of yourself better? I think the answer depends on from which lens, you know, who the age, is it the caregiver? Is it the teenager? Um, Oftentimes, I think if you're a teen and thinking that you have this sense of, you know, they don't often don't feel like they're invincible. It's hard to think of forward, you know, complications. Um, And you're, you're kind of in the moment and so for a teenager, um, it's hard. It's hard to get them to that place of understanding of how to take care of yourself. I think there's, I would go underneath what what is interfering with that process of acceptance, of understanding that, you know what, I really do need to take care of myself. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes I think it is, maybe there isn't a connection to, um, did you process the diagnosis? Are you still carrying anger? unresolved anger? Um, are you trying to figure out your identity as a teenager um, in spite of, but also connected to your diabetes? Um, and oftentimes I think when that, I know we, I keep bringing up this acceptance and I think that's one of the things also on your list of, you know, what does that really mean to accept it? Um, it is a process, but part of that, what it means to accept is to integrate it into your life and know that, you know, there is you can live a healthy life, but you can't, you can't ignore it. Um, Do you um, talk ever about optimism bias? Um, yes. I think that's a really good go. Go ahead. I think that's yeah. a really interesting so thought. There's, there's part of me that wants to take the list of all the, the biases that humans have and just mm-hmm. do a series about them 
And mm-hmm. the problem is, I've tried a couple of times. You can never find somebody who really is like, I could really dig in on this one. You know what I mean? I'm like, I guess I want to yeah. have that conversation. But an optimism bias, just as it's defined, mm-hmm. uh, a cognitive bias that causes someone to believe that they themselves are less likely to experience a negative event. It is also known as an unrealistic optimis- uh, optimism or co- comparative optimism. Optimism bias is common. Um uh, uh, throughout people, it's it's saying doesn't matter your nationality, your ethnicity, mm-hmm. your age, um, that it's a common feeling, and I, it's what I'm talking about. It's that it, it's I, it's me watching my father smoke three packs of cigarettes a day, and him saying like it's not getting me, and then that's what kills him. It, you, you know, mm-hmm. because it, mm-hmm. right up until it did, he's like, I went to the doctor. Doctor said, I always used to feel angry about this. Doctor told me he can't even tell I'm a smoker, and I used to think he can't smell that you smell like four ashtrays rubbed on <laughs> a hot day's foot, oh, you know, gosh. like, like, you know what I mean? Like, or, <laughs> right, and, but, right. but maybe the guy, maybe the doctor never said that, but my dad would come home and say that, like they'd say they can't even tell. And eventually, you know, he had congestive heart failure and he died. Mm. And, and so, but why is that? Like, why do we see the old lady on the news who lived to a hundred? And in our minds, we're all like, that'll be me. She, meanwhile, it's so rare they got to put her on the news. <laughs> right, right, right. I don't know why, I just don't, I don't understand why, why common sense doesn't take over and say to you, I'm not going to be that person. I, I I don't know if I've shared this with you, but as my mom had health issues as she's gotten older over the last couple of years, I went to my wife very earnestly and I said, I'm 51. And I said, I am going to begin treating the next 15 years like they are the last 15 years I have. I was like, and, and and then everybody right away is like, oh, no, no, you're going to, I'm like, eh, I didn't say I was going to die when I was 60. Right. I said, I'm going to treat the next 15 years like they're the last ones. Because the last six years of my mom's life have not been, she hasn't been at the water park. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, it, and, but we all feel that way. We're like, oh, if I live to 80, in your mind, you imagine that on your 80th day when you drop dead, you're in the backyard playing croquet with a, with a, with a brandy, you, you know what I mean. <laughs> like, I'll just hit a couple balls, uh, and then over. Like, like so, like, it doesn't it doesn't work that way for everybody. Everybody doesn't get to be the lady on the news, and I don't know how that thinking isn't obvious and how it doesn't translate to health because that's all I think about when I think about my kids' health. Mm-hmm. You know, like this is it. We need to figure this out now because later's too late, and damage is happening. Like, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe there's something wrong with me, but that's well. No, I, I think that's because you're you're a, you're a realist, but you also have a, a an optimistic, hopeful outlook in life. You're not a I, you're not a pessimist. You're not you know right. doom and gloom, but I think you're able to apply. You have that sense of hope, and you want to give your children a long, healthy life, and you're able to apply that and say, okay, but we need to be realistic with what we need to do in order to have as long of a life as possible. And I think we we all have a sense of you know optimism and hope that we are going to live a healthy long life, um, but what you're what we're trying to figure out is what is the difference between those who have that hope but ignore reality versus those who have that hope and can attend to like your current immediate needs. Yeah. Right. Like we're trying to differentiate between those two. And I think the the bias piece, you know, we all have certain biases and distortions that we believe and part of, you know, becoming attuned to your, your way of thinking and acting and living in your behaviors is understanding some of those, you know, biases and distortions. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so is that done in therapy? Well, the, yes, it can be yeah, I mean, done we, in therapy. We can't, we can't yes. just talk somebody into right now, like like throwing a little cold water in their face and saying, <laughs> I'm probably not going to be okay 30 years from now with my 9A1C. <laughs> well, you know? I, yes, I mean, I think I... Um, as you know, I, I definitely um, appreciate the value of cognitive behavioral therapy, and it's an understanding how our thoughts affect how we feel, which obviously impacts what we do. Mm-hmm. And that can go, it's the cognitive triangle. We can start with our actions, which impact how we feel, which impact how we think about ourselves. It can go at any which way. And so part of the initial work that I do with a lot of my clients is understanding what are those lies is the easiest way to call them that we believe about ourselves or about our world that impact what we do and how we feel. And, and then, and then we want to break down those thought, those lies or distortions and replace them with truths. Yeah. So that is something you can do. Yes. In therapy. Mm-hmm. I, I'm thinking of the things that I, I know aren't true about myself that I, I lie to myself about. As you were saying that I was like, Oh, I have some of those. Like, like what? Do you want to share? I don't care. <laughs> I um Today I'm going to tell you about the Contour Next One blood glucose meter. If you're using insulin, you need a great accurate meter. You need the Contour Next One. I'm going to go to the website. Let me just type here contournext.com forward slash juice box. My voice just does that when I forward. Anyway, when you get there, you're going to see a lot of information. Big buy now button where if you click on it, I'll click on it now. It takes you to a number of places online where you can get the contour and the test strips. Walmart.com, Amazon, Walgreens, CVS Pharmacy, Meyer, Kroger, Target, Rite Aid. Here's the thing. Why would you do that? Why would you just like continue to do your meter stuff the way you usually do? Because the contour next one may be cheaper in cash out of your pocket than through your insurance. This is something worth checking into. Now, why would you go to that trouble? Because you say to me, Scott, I already have a meter. I don't care. But you should care because the Contour Next One is super easy to use and incredibly accurate. And those are important things. Important, important, important. They are so important that I am here to tell you about it over and over and over again so that you will go to contournext.com forward slash juice box and get yourself a great meter that has second chance test strips so that if you don't get quite enough blood the first time, no big deal, right back and you're doing it again without wasting the strip or ruining the test accuracy. Contournext.com forward slash juice box. Get the meter that my daughter has been using for years. The meter that has a super bright light for nighttime viewing an absolutely easy to read and simple screen, and a design that allows you to easily carry it and hold it. This is it, I don't need to tell you more. Super accurate, super easy to use, great light, second chance test strips, might be cheaper in cash than you're paying for insurance. I don't know what else you want. Contournext.com forward slash juicebox. Links in the show notes. Links at juiceboxpodcast.com. And I'll throw in here a little extra for good luck. Don't forget Touch by Type 1, touchbytype1.org and on Facebook and Instagram. All right, we're going to get right back to Erica. I think I cry later in this one, so bonus. Like what? Do you want to share? I definitely think I look taller than I am. <laughs> it's, a, it's a small one. 
Uh, mm-hmm. I, I, I've told myself that I carry my weight better than my size, which is not true. Like, that's not like I look at, if I looked at myself reasonably, I'd be like, oh, I should lose 20 pounds. But, but I've taught myself that I have broad shoulders or that, like, you know what I mean? Right, like little right, stuff right. like that. Like, it's okay because mm-hmm. I, can, I can carry it up here and it's mm-hmm. visually, it's okay. And it, it, it runs along the same lines. This one actually happens to be reasonably true. Um, I, but I, the, the mechanism's similar. I look younger than I am. And somehow I'll talk myself into making that think I am younger than I am, but I'm not. I just mm-hmm. appear younger. If you meet me at first and I'm, a, and I'm, you'll look at me and you'll, you know, I mean, be honest. Oh, he's 35. Eh, he's 35. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. I could, I, <laughs> <Maybe>. <laughs> could, I could pass for 40, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, and then I start talking and I'm goofy and then people shave off years for that because they think like an adult wouldn't speak like this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and that's all lovely and everything, but my knee still hurts and my back is stiff and Mm -hmm. I, you know, I still go outside sometimes to do something and go to lift something up and think, man, you should not pick this up. Right. You know, but I feel I've talked myself into believing I'm younger than I am. Um, That's all. And even like there are times you can, all right. Okay. There are times. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, pause. Do you want to share this? It's (laughs) there are times that I hear things on this podcast that, Somebody's sharing as a negative that they've learned how to get past, for instance. And I'll think, oh, God, I do that sometimes. Yes, yes. And and then I can picture where in my life I do it. And then I don't do anything about it. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I've I'm, – I'm disappointed with myself all the time. I fixed last week. So – that's exciting. Uh, it was, um, but it, it, it always, as everything else, ended with me crying. But hold on a second. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That's okay. I um, I grew up as not a person who makes eye contact during conversation. And I recognized it as a younger person, as a younger adult, and I ignored it. And I told myself, it's okay, because when you talk to people, you're entertaining the group. You know what I mean? Like, you're, you're doing, because I, I am... I can be that person in a group where I'm like, you're looking here, yes. you're looking there. And sometimes you just talk, you know, but I don't look people in the face. And I decided to do something about it when I recognized one day, it's the silliest thing, but my son used a pacifier for the first couple of years of his life. Mm-hmm. And then when he stopped using it, I had this horrible feeling that I had missed what his face looked like while he was using it. If this makes mm-hmm. sense or not. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I thought, I'm having conversations with people and I'm not looking at them. I'm like not seeing their face. And so I started to more, con- you know, with constructively say to myself, like, you have to look people in the eye. And in the beginning, it was hard. Like, I don't know. I, I bet. Oh, my God. And then I got past that. I'm like, okay, it's not trouble for me to look you in the face anymore. And And that's the thing that I do now. So now, fast forward, my son gets his first real job. And we have to take him far away to set him up for his first real job. And I get there with him on a Wednesday, and I'm going to leave on a Saturday. And we're very busy. We're buying furniture and, like, getting his cable turned on and getting mm-hmm. him food and buying him pots and pans, like everything. Uh-huh. He had, kid had All nothing. the adulting no, things, no, yes. He had nothing, you know. Plus, he's not sure he's going to be there for very long. So we're trying not to, like, 
overload him with stuff, you know, like you don't need seven pans. Like here's a couple I think you'll be okay with. Uh huh. <laughs> and as this time's going on and we're spending it together, I keep thinking I'm going to leave in a couple of days. I'm going to leave in four days. I'm going to leave in three days. I'm upset. I don't want him to be upset. So I'm not going to tell him I'm upset. And mm-hmm. finally I thought that's not right. Like that's not right. He needs to know how upset I am that I'm leaving him here. Mm-hmm. You know? So I said to him, I want you to know that over the next couple of days, you are going to look up at me and it's going to seemingly be out of nowhere and I'm going to be crying. And I was like, and it's not because I'm sad. This this is such a great opportunity for you. You're going to do great at this. I'm not worried about you. It's Mm -hmm. nothing like that. I just, and I said, I could tell you that I'm going to miss you, which would be true. I was like, but the core thing here, and I said, and it's me. I don't want to leave you here. And I think it's because my dad left me. I, I said, I, oh. I think that's why this is. I feel like I'm abandoning you here. And I'm like, I know I'm not. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're going to be great. But I don't want to stand here swallowing all that. And us to just have these awkward moments together mm-hmm. because you're looking at me and I'm thinking, oh, my God, what are you doing? Take him home. Don't leave him here. Like, don't leave him here the way somebody left you. Like, don't do that. Plus, I'm adopted. So technically, I've been abandoned twice. <laughs> you right. know, like, so, like, right. well, like, right. so, so I'm like, I'm sitting there having that thought. I'm like, I'm going to share this with him instead. And my son is like my wife. Like, they have the Irish thing going. Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like, the house is on fire dead bodies are falling all around you. And they're like, this is going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah <laughs> doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Let's not mm-hmm. show like anything. Um, but I could look at him sometimes and he looked like he was five in his face because he was worried. Oh, not about yes. me, by the way, about this whole thing. Right. And so I'm like, I'm like, we're adults and I don't want to, I don't want there to be any confusion here. I don't want him to think my dad's mad or, sad or scared that I su- I'm going to suck at this or something. I'm like, just going to mm-hmm. let him know why I might be acting strangely. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that. And then, mm-hmm. and he gave me a nice hug and we sat together for a minute. And then when I went to leave, I cried. <laughs> yes. And he was uncomfortable and I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll be okay. Uh, and then if you, I mean, to finish this, the, um, the story out, like I got in the car, I had to drive away and, um, I screamed a couple of times, like in a very, like, very, like, not focused primal way. Mm-hmm, like I, mm-hmm. I, I had to stop myself from like not living outside of his door for the rest of my life, I guess. And yes. and um and I I kept going, and I just I did the same thing. This is going to sound so strange that I learned in Doctor Sarno's book about back pain. I just told myself it was going to be okay that the things that I was worried about, mm-hmm. they weren't real. I reminded myself about the good situation he was in and that this was going to be okay. But I'll tell you that I had to drive from his house to my daughter's, which is a different story, uh, mm-hmm. college. So I was in the car for three hours by myself. And about 45 minutes into it, I thought, I need to call somebody who loves me. Mm-hmm. And I called my brother and my brother and I chatted about this a little bit and then something else because I was making myself upset and, and you know what I mean? So anyway, I don't remember why we started talking about that, but no, but that's such a beautiful gift you gave your son and we'll just 
being authentic with how you feel. I think often as parents and connecting this to, to diabetes, I think often we feel like many caregivers will share with me that they can't, they feel like they don't want to cry in front of their child. They don't want to make it feel like worse than it is. Um, but I think that's okay. It gives them permission to be upset or cry. So I think you gave them the gift of like being authentic with how you're feeling in the moment. And then you, you worked your way through interrupting that, those lies of that narrative that mm -hmm. you had experienced with your father and you were breaking that cycle and also replacing it with truth that it is going to be okay. This is not the lie that you are, that, you know, your brain is like flirting with like, you know, this is not the truth. The truth is yeah. you love him. You've set him up for success. You're not abandoning him. And you reminded yourself of all those truths. And, and then you did something that helped you feel better, reach out to a connected, you know, to feel connected with a loved one. Um, so you worked yourself through some of those techniques all by yourself. You did reality checking and you know, all those things. Well, they, a couple of them were just out of like, like sheer, like necessity. Yeah, right. Because as I was like, you like when my, my wife and I didn't get pregnant on the first time on purpose. And so it was a shock. We'd been married for a couple of years. We were talking about having kids, but we did not purposely get pregnant with Cole. And then in the months leading up to her having the baby, we started talking about daycare and I was the one that said, I don't think I can leave the kid in daycare. It feels like, it feels like we, mm -hmm. I told her it back then we were so young. I said, it feels like we bought a puppy to put it in a kennel. Like that's mm -hmm. what it felt like to me. And I was mm -hmm. like, and I was like, so I, I said to my wife, I'm like, you should stay home with the baby. She laughed at me because I had no prospects for any kind of reasonable um, work <laughs> and, and, and she was doing pretty well. And then she said for, you know, you should do it. I think you'd be a good stay at home dad. So there's something I don't care what anybody says. Like I had to make a number of of um adjustments in how I was raised and how I grew up. The first one was in the first year he was alive. I realized that my wife would be doing things almost naturally that I didn't know to do and that I had to sort of give myself over to this if he was going to be served in a way that he needed, right? Mm -hmm. And plus I was I was cheating myself because I was just caregivering. And my wife was being cheated because she wasn't having this connection with my son. I was like, well, I'm going to at least honor all of this if I'm going to do this. And that was kind of my first leap. But then when you do that and you just give yourself over to it, when you like turn, when you go from being a guy who was like raised to like, you know, go kill something and find a pretty uh -huh. girl and get her to have sex with you and then buy a car, like, you know what I mean? And like go dominate things. And like when you're raised like that, it, you know, being at home with a baby day to day, I don't know if anybody's ever done it, but it's a lot and um <laughs> and it's monotonous and and you have to right. find joy in it you have to find joy in things that you can't imagine there's joy in at some point mm -hmm. and then that just bonds you together with that kid in a way that i'm standing there now thinking i know he's been out of college for seven months he needs to get the hell out of here like he was starting to get stir crazy you know mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. all this is good for him and all i could think was i think i could afford for him to live here longer like, why would it matter if he stayed here? Like, because mm -hmm. like, the house is very still without the kids. It's a weird feeling. It's not good. Mm -hmm. And um, and my wife and I seem to be doing okay with it. But as I was in his apartment, I was like, why don't I just tell him, like, he doesn't want to do this. Like, he doesn't really want to be an adult. Like, I could I could throw some money around. I'll, I'll take another advertiser and I'll keep him in my house forever. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Or something <laughs> like that. And And not to say that out loud was hard. 
I but bet. anyway, uh, we were talking about how to break things that you don't want to do. Right. Yeah. Sorry. Um, so all of you who are <laughs> no, telling thank yourself, you for yeah, sharing. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, it's a good. I I think you modeled a lot through all that you shared. Does any um, of that help people who are lying to themselves about why they're okay with their current situation? <laughs> I hope it does. I. <laughs> well, I think you you modeled you know that is it is it healthy to listen to the lie no you know and to you you have done the work you know i don't know if you've been in therapy or you've done it yourself or you've read books but you are you are learning and applying how to interrupt those lies and Mm -hmm. that pattern thinking that you were exposed to as a child in in the in the car in the drive before i called my brother it was fascinating by the way i've I, I mean, I did a tiny bit of therapy for like a year when I was in my 20s. Other than that, I haven't read. I'm embarrassed about how few books I've read. As a matter of fact, once when I was on a book tour for my book, my my publisher said, stop telling people you don't read. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but I'm in the car and I'm like, it's okay. And I'm calm and I'm mm-hmm. okay. And then in no time at all, if you, I just if I were to just think of him, then it burns like up through your chest, through your neck, into your head. And and it's a it's not a voice like a voice in your head, but you start thinking like, no, that's not right. I'm leaving him there. At one point, I I solidly imagined that I had just left him in a box. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I just I had driven to another state, put my son in a box, and I left, is is how it kind of felt to me. Mm-hmm. And um and then I'm like, okay, don't think that. And don't think that for your own sanity. And for and for his happiness, because he this is the game, right? Like you make a baby, you put it in a situation, and then you go, launch. Yeah, go he launches. Yeah, right. right. Mm-hmm. It's unfair um, to me <laughs> and to my <laughs> wife. And I, these little bastards have abandoned us again. It's fine, but um, but it, it's the right thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know. Like I did later. It's because of this podcast, because of talking to so many people. Mm-hmm. You keep kind of running through ideas in your head. And I and I thought to myself, there were a number of times in that car that there was a dark path in front of me that if I didn't avoid it, I could see how people run down them and get lost. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? And um, and then that made me feel badly for people who, who get drawn down those paths. And, and I, right. felt, I felt lucky to not have that happen to me, honestly. So yeah, it, so you were able to interrupt the that spiral, right? The spiraled thinking of that life feels like it's over, it's not worth living, and you were able to find um, something within yourself, like okay, then now is the time I need to reach out to somebody, and that's hard for people to do. Yeah, is when that, they're no. when they're really in that low place of that really you know low depressed thinking, and they you know kind of spiraled down. To do what you did, it can be really challenging for people. And you also, it kind of feels like, you know, a grounding, you grounded yourself to the present moment. Um, whether you're in the car, you're, you know, you have to pay attention to what you're doing. And that's something that people can do when they're in the middle of that spiral and feeling like there's, you know, no hope to ground yourself to the present. Maybe it's looking at three, there's well, you know, all sorts of techniques. You can Google them for grounding techniques, but Looking at your looking at three things that you can see, two things that you can t- 
touch, one thing that you can hear. It, it doesn't really matter which way you go, but like bringing yourself to the, the present moment mm-hmm. to interrupt that spiral okay. can be helpful. It's um, I'll tell you where it helped the next day. So to give a little bit of context, through odd circumstances, my son had to be in a part of, I think I'm supposed to say Arden's in Chicago in college. <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> she's She joked one time on the podcast. She's like, if people ask, just tell them I'm in Chicago. She's not. Okay. Um, so um, basically, <laughs> my son needed to be across the country in the same state that my daughter was in, but three and a half mi- uh, hours from each other in this state. And they had to leave on the same day, and they had to start either class or their job on the same day. So right. I had to I had to leave him that night to drive the three and a half hours to where my wife was with my daughter so that we could drive home, right? Right, right. And it's a 14-hour drive home. And so wow. I I get to her. She's in a hotel, my wife. And I'm like, you know, I, I don't know when I get there, maybe midnight, because I kept hanging on. I was supposed to go have dinner with my daughter, and I just I couldn't leave my son. I was like, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't. I, I texted Kelly. I'm like, I can't make myself leave yeah you know like i'm trying Mm -hmm. you know and so i missed dinner which then i felt bad about that and Mm -hmm. but i'm sure they all sat around and joked that dad's crying right now he can't come to dinner which would have been right and um so i get to (laughs) i get to the uh to the hotel my wife's already in bed it's late and i laid down and and she's like are you okay and i'm like i did the wrong thing like i'm like i just i was like i did Mm. the wrong thing and then I get really emotional. Like I'm, in su- like I'm, in a- I'm okay with it now, and I'm still mm-hmm. upset right now, right? Like so, mm-hmm. I'm like, I did. She's like, No, you didn't. I was like, No, I did. I left him there. I was like, I was like, you know, like I shouldn't have done <sighs> that. And um, and so I, I got through that, okay. And then the reason I'm, I'm sharing that with you is because the next day when I said goodbye to Arden after lunch, she's like, It's okay if you want to cry. I'm like, I'm okay. <laughs> like, and she, then she was like, What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Where are the tears, yeah. Dad? Like, when the, you're the guy that cries and lets me know I'm going to be missed. Like, when is this happening? Mom's over right. there like an Irish statue, like getting ready to go. <laughs> you know? like, 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 you know, where are you? And I just said, I told her. I was like, she's like, you're going to cry. I'm like, I'm not. I'm like, this is a good spot for you. I'm like, it's okay. You know, and um, I'm like, I'm really upset that I'm not going to see you, but uh, I'm, I don't think I'm going to cry. And mm-hmm. and she was like, all right. Like, you should have seen her. Like, she was like a little let down. <laughs> but, right. but she's like me. So she was, I don't know, she was joking with me. And um, I got a little teary and I said, I am really going to miss you. And, uh, you know, we'll be back to visit in a few months. And, mm-hmm. and I left and we got out in the hallway and Kelly's like, you didn't cry. And I was like, I think I figured it out last night, you know. So anyway, I don't know why I'm, I, I just really, t- to bring this back around, if you are saying, I don't let diabetes slow me down because your variability is good and you don't get low when you're out playing soccer or you figured out how to eat, I don't know, cheese fries without spiking for three hours, then then diabetes isn't slowing you down. And that's amazing. But if you are mm-hmm. one of the people that I've spoken to who said diabetes isn't slowing me down and there's a lot more to that sentence that you're not sharing, I hope that you can find a way to push through that stuff and, and, and get to a place where you really are, you know, it's a word people dance around all the time and I don't understand why they do. Um, people try not to say control around diabetes, but I mean, 
I'd, I'd like for you to get into a better decision making tree so that you have a- outcomes. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that are are more reliable. Yes. Yeah. Well, I I I appreciate your vulnerability in sharing that your story with your precious children. I think the the mindset of diabetes isn't going to stop me. That can also be like a family culture mindset mm-hmm. that maybe is expressed at diagnosis because they want to instill hope that this, you know, you can still play the sports and you can still do all the things and you can eat the cake and you can get married and have babies if you're, you know, want to and can. Um, I think that that mindset, it can be healthy, but it also can prevent the space for the emotional processing, which you know, okay, diabetes is not going to stop me, but, but dang, I'm really sad and angry. Why did I get this? And if there's no space for that expression of frustration, then maybe you just adopt the diabetes isn't going to stop me. I can't, I can't let it stop me. And, but I still have all these other feelings and I don't really know how to control it. Yeah. Um. So I think what start offs maybe as a really positive hopeful mindset of your family system, it can maybe wreak havoc on how you process it as a child or teen or young adult or a grown adult mm-hmm. um, and interfere with the, how to actually manage control the, the, your sugars. I think it also matters as you're talking, like it in my mind, I'm imagining it matters who you are too, like, because uh-huh. there are certain people who hear that and they were always going to pe- be the people it wasn't going to get in the way of, right? Like uh-huh, there are certain uh-huh. people who were just going to be like, it didn't matter what happened to them. They were going to like pop out of it, you know, right? with with a 2% body fat, with a shine on them. <laughs> just like, <laughs> I look amazing. This is going my way. Like there are just, there's some people who just, that works for them. Uh-huh. I wonder if, I wonder if it's not a blanket statement that's given at the beginning. And if you don't know that when it's happening. Like, what happens when someone says, don't worry, this isn't going to get in your way? When you know about yourself, you are the kind of person who falls down rabbit holes and mm-hmm. things get in your way. Then it just probably feels like a lie. It probably feels empty. Like, when like when um, uh, my wife sometimes, like, when my son was looking for a job, anything he applied for, she'd like, I, you'd be good at that. And she's like, mom, I've not said one thing yet that you were like, no, don't do that. <laughs> you know, she's like, you're my mom. This is what you're going to say. My wife later said to me. Cheerleader, yeah. Yeah, my wife later said to me, there is something he applied for. I was like, well, that would not be good for him. <laughs> but but she didn't tell, <laughs> she didn't tell him, right? Um, but I wonder, like, we are who we are. And a platitude, which is really what mm-hmm. this is, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, don't mm-hmm. worry. Plenty of people. First, let's list some famous people we know as type who have type one diabetes. Right, I bet right. you didn't know that this guy had it, and uh, Bobby Clark for the Flyers. You're like, wait, you're bringing up seventies hockey? Like, okay, <laughs> you know, like um, and, and it didn't stop him, and blah blah blah, and and I think that's meant that way. But I think some people hear that now that I've spoken to more people who have more of a depressed mindset, they're probably like, they probably hear that and think, oh, it's gonna get me, you know, like I'm not gonna be the one. And and then the person who gives you the platitude is like, oh, well, I did my job. I told him it's not going to stop him. And then the people who aren't mm-hmm. stopped by it were never going to be stopped by it to begin with. It's like me taking credit for being able to work through this complicated thing that might have fell somebody else. Like, I can't take credit for that. That's just how my brain works. Like, mm-hmm. it, my easily my brain could work a different way, and I could have driven my car into a tree, you, you, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and just been like, everything's over. So... 
Oh, Erica, every time we get down to these conversations, I realize there's no answer. Sorry. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's complicated, yeah. right? It's, it's your mindset, it's your family upbringing, your culture, your, I know we've talked about this a lot about like, you know, what is, is it your resilience and what does that actually mean? Um, how, is that nature versus nurture? All of those things. Right. Um, but I think, yeah, being mindful of, is it a platitude and how is that landing for the, whoever you're sharing that with is, is really important to, to remember. Yeah. I mean, if you're a healthcare provider or you're the parent or a loved one of somebody who's been diagnosed, like you can't just run around being like, don't worry. And, and there are also people who you can't pile on them like, oh, my God, there's a lot to worry about here. Like, yes. it's equally as bad for that person. And who who's who in that scenario? And by the way, most people, most of y'all listening, you don't even know who you are in that scenario. You think you do. <laughs> <laughs> but you're often not the person you think you are. You, you, you know, like sometimes it's you think, oh, I can handle this. But I mean, mm-hmm. I talk to plenty of people who get caught up in almost like OCD like rituals about keeping their kids safe. And, you know, they say things that are, I mean, one of the things we'll talk about in another episode is how, like, you see online somebody says something and then they get attacked. And if you really look at it, you realize the person attacking them is trying to quell a fear in their own mind. Mm-hmm. And, and like, so you're, you know, you're not always who you think you are. I'm not who I think I am, you know, like, so. It's interesting. It's we're all, yeah, we're all on a journey of becoming more self-aware, but to, yeah, to be aware that you're not self-aware is the first step, <laughs> perhaps. <laughs> I used to, my, um, I, I don't know, this is completely inappropriate, so I won't say it. But, well, now I'm going to say it because I thought of it. <laughs> I used to, I, when I was younger and somebody would be like, what's with that person? I'd say, listen, crazy people don't know they're crazy. You got to cut them a break, you, you know? And, and now I've come to realize like, None of us really know ourselves that well. And, you know, it's just, it, it, you're trying to figure it out as you go. Like when it hit me, I was like, oh, I'm upset because I feel abandoned. I was like, that's why I, I don't want to do to my son the worst thing that's ever happened to me, even though that is not what's happening right now. It was, you know, fascinating. So, But that's so profound that you were able to make that connection. I am feeling this way because I was treated this way, but this is not what's happening now. I mean, that, those two sentences, I don't know how you got there, but that's, that's pretty profound and hard to do for many people. Well, it was self-preservation because I thought my heart was going to explode (laughs) and I, um, and I don't, I'm not prone to like panic attacks. So I wasn't, there was going to be no outlet for it. Right. Like I felt like I was going to explode. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so, um, it, and mm. it's, it's just, I don't know. Like, I just thought like, I've got to figure out what this is or I'm going to like, I felt like I was going to die. Like I, I, there's, I, I know I wasn't going to, but it felt right. like that. Like, I was well, like, and that's what people say who feel like they're having a panic attack is yeah. that they feel like they're going to die. And truly they believe it and they feel it. Yeah. I didn't get to that part. I was just okay. like, I was like, I've got to like, figure this out. Like I, yeah. I, tr- I did my best to step out of myself. Had you had, well, <laughs> I was going to ask more questions around that, but um, I was going to ask, have, have you had those connections, those thoughts before of like, this is why I feel this way because of abandonment? No, that was the or, first time. That was a, Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah. Wow. I, I was like, oh, this is because my dad left shit. <laughs> and, 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 and I was like, okay. Like, and, and the, I mean, the adopted thing is like, I joke about it a lot here. Like, I really don't think about it ever. Um, but mm-hmm. if I start thinking about my dad leaving, it, it's not lost on me that he's the second father that that apparently was okay with being like, eh, I, he'll be all right. <laughs> and, you know, like, and, and because that is, and then I look back on leaving my son at college. I, maybe I'm lying. The first time I left my son at college, I found myself wondering how my dad could have left me. Like I didn't, I didn't put it together mm-hmm. yet. I, I asked the question of myself, like if this is what it felt like to leave my son somewhere safe, that was good for him. How could my dad have left? But I, I yeah. quickly transitioned into he must really not care about me. Like, because if he felt this way, how could he have gone? How would he have done it? Yeah, yeah. right, right. And so, um, but I never got past that. And that was four years ago. So this was the first time I've thought about it since then. Mm-hmm. And it was because it was more, um, it's finite. Like, for all of you who have young kids, like, the college thing, it hurts, but then they come back, like, a bunch of times a year. Mm-hmm. and Or they'll play a sport, or you'll go there, or something like that. Mm-hmm. You actually end up seeing each other more frequently than you think, as long as it's not, like, great distance away. But this thing, I thought, like, he could be good at this. They could offer him a different position. He might never come back here. Like, and, like, he might never live, like, he might never live in my house again. And I know some people are like, I don't know how everybody feels about their kids. Um, I like my children. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I like them being here. They bring something to the conversation. It makes mm-hmm. me. All right, I'm going to tell you one more thing. So the other night, I cook for people. I don't know what that says about me. Um, I don't love food myself, but I like cooking for other people. Mm-hmm. And I make cookies every once in a while. And sometimes nobody even eats them, and I don't care. I love making them for people. Like, I see, mm-hmm. like, my kid pill a cookie out, and I'm like, this is great. Like, you know, it feels good. So we have these boxes of uh, – when your kids leave, they always forget something. So we have the, like, forgotten boxes that have to be UPS yeah. to people. And I said to my <laughs> wife, I'm like, I'm going to make some cookies, and I'm going to put them in the boxes. Um, my son's stuff, my daughter's stuff, and my son's girlfriend, who left a hair straightener here. Apparently, it's my job to send to her. But I'm like, I'm going to give her some <laughs> cookies, too, right? So um, – <laughs> So the other night, uh, I got my work done, and I thought, oh, I'm going to make the cookies now. And I made them. And as I was halfway through it, I felt bereft. And my wife's like, are you okay? And I just go, it doesn't feel the same. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what? And I was like, making the cookies doesn't feel the same. And I was like, I don't mm-hmm. know why. It's hollow. And I'm, I'm so f-ing annoyed, I just want to throw them away. It was like I like I don't care that I'm sending them to them. I don't care that they're going to get them. I don't care if they'll like them. Like they're I and I couldn't there's one for you. I can't figure that one out yet. Like I'll get to it, but it felt weird and I didn't like it, is the best thing I can tell you. So anyway, you can probably uh, that tell me feels, what that's that feels that feels like you know, it's grief. You're grieving, you know. That's I think terrible. Yes. Oh my it god. It is painful. I did eat the cookies later, just so you know. <laughs> 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 I mean, I sent them some, but I was like, I'm right. keeping a couple of these for me. <laughs> anyway, do you think yes. people listen to this and think, wow, Scott's found a way to trick this woman into giving him free therapy? 
I don't know. I haven't had you sign a consent form, so I don't know. It's hilarious. I um, hope not. Did this conversation no, do justice to the um the idea of that I brought up in the beginning? I don't. Like, yeah. What was the idea? I, I don't let diabetes slow me down. Yeah, I'm kidding. Yeah. Oh my god. Gosh, I th- I mean, perhaps we probably could even do a part B. I feel like. Um, dissecting it further if we wanted, but okay. I think we, it was a good conversation. Yeah. yeah. I just, I listen to, it's going to feel weird that I shift gears like this so quickly because okay. I was legitimately just crying a little while ago. Um, but um, I think about this podcast the way I think about my kids and the way I think about everything. Like I, as I'm bringing up stories about myself, they are absolutely true stories, but in my mind, they're going to move this conversation and the people listening in a certain direction. Mm-hmm. So I am a tiny bit Machiavellian about it, which is mm-hmm. bizarre. Cause I'm an idiot, um, Erica, but this, I'm good at this. <laughs> so let's just all get past the fact that I can't add or subtract, but this thing I might be pretty good at. So, um, oh my I, gosh. I just, I really feel very strongly about it. Like, like that statement, every time someone says it, it's like a bell rings in my head. I was like, you, somebody needs to do something about that. Like, mm-hmm. like, you know, people can't live their whole life celebrating that they're ignoring their body deteriorating, but at mm-hmm. least they went to burning man. Like, I like, you know what I mean? Like, cause that is how it feels to me when it's said sometimes. And it's, a, it's not, it doesn't need to be that way. You know, like, I mean, if you're strong enough to ignore high blood sugars and all the horrible things that come with it to go do the things that you really want to do, then damn it, you're strong enough to figure out how to get your blood sugar lower to begin with, you know, and I don't know. And I just feel like, I feel like that there's a conversation somewhere that'll spark somebody into doing that thing. And if I've got to yeah. lay my soul out so that you people take better care of yourself, then that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> because obviously, at the end of this, years from now, Eric is going to tell me that I'm making this podcast to take care of myself because I feel like nobody took care of me or something like heady like that. <laughs> you know, like on the last day, I'm going to like be leaning in the microphone and be like, uh-huh, go ahead, go on. All right. Yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> is there is there in the last minute just to tease it out for the next episode? Mm-hmm. There's something about how I grew up that leads me to want to help other people, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Okay. You have a helper helper mentality. Yeah, you want to pay it forward in a way that maybe you didn't receive as a child. Well, I would. And there's pre- nothing wrong with that. No, I don't know. I think I'd prefer to have the guy at the club mentality. Like who? who those people look like they're having a great time. <laughs> It's like it's Friday well, night. They're a little yeah. high. They're dancing. I've never done that in my life. I'm busy making sure people have cookies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I think I wanted to add to Scott that I think the people who are maybe saying, you know, that diabetes isn't getting in the way, I think they ultimately want to they want to though. Yeah. They want or they they want to know how to manage their diabetes. And so what is that? That's the the fascinating piece of like what is blocking that? Because mm-hmm. um, I think they don't they don't want to ignore it because they ultimately know what's happening to their body. Oh, I truly believe that. I don't think that I've ever spoken to anyone who doesn't care. Yeah, never, never once. They have varying degrees of success. They have varying degrees of guilt. They have varying mm-hmm. degrees of stress. But in the end, it's that thing you said once. God, I, uh, about about the bur- about burning out, 
and that it's the, that the hardest part is that you're trying so hard over and over and over again and you're not getting a result like that that's the that's what burnout is like it's yes. not it's not the yes. end when you give up it's it's the part where you're like I don't have the right tools like somebody gave you a screwdriver to like nail like the put in a nail and you get up every day and spend 24 hours trying to make that screwdriver into a hammer it doesn't work you know and yes um and anyway I I that's how that's how it strikes me is that they I've never once talked to somebody with diabetes who I thought oh they don't care I've never thought that right you know? right yeah and I I don't think you do either um I think it's just that that's where oh the empathy pieces of like I know I know they want to change and um you know I hope that they are able to find that what is that piece that's preventing them from getting to that place of of acceptance yeah. it's hard well I appreciate you doing this I hope um I'm, I'm, I hope everybody appreciates me giving myself up like this to hope because there's some in the middle. I'm like, why am I doing this? Like, like, why am I? Because a lot of people are going to hear this. And I'm just like, I'm like, I'm crying in the car and screaming and blah, blah, blah. And, uh, anyway. All right. Well, well I, think- I don't think people talk about, you know, the emptiness stage very much. So I think you probably normalized a lot of people's experience um, in a really healthy way. Listen. I'm going to oh. tell you something. The hardest thing I did in the last week was turn my wife down when she was like, we could have another baby. And I was like, ooh, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, that's not okay. <laughs> I was like, that kid would end up really poorly raised. <laughs> I was like, I'm way too old for this now. It's, um, I, I at first thought that it was the, the pass of time that I, I, I was upset about. And there is some of that. Like, I just, like, at one point, my son's like, what's wrong? And I said, I didn't think my life would go by this quickly, <gasps> you, you know? And um, and I just, like, I'm like, I always knew we were going to get here. I just don't understand mm. how it's happening. Yes. Yeah, that that's all. Because I can, like, I can see him in my head at, like, different stages of his life. And I was like, how did we get past that so quickly? Like, you know, like, how did a... It's just the weirdest thing about time. A day takes forever. A week takes forever. A month goes by. And, you know, and you're like, oh, it's New Year's Eve again. Like, but how's that right. possible? Because every day felt like it took forever, you know. Um, anyway. Well, like, I'm, I'm going to, you're encouraging me. I'm going to go be very present and focused with my children today. I and appreciate where I'm, they are. I'm sure they'll so, bother the hell out you. of you in 15 minutes. You'll be like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> but you're very welcome. Well, a huge thanks to Erica for coming on the show again and sharing her insights with us. Don't forget, ericaforsyth.com is where you can find her. And I have it here somewhere. If you live in California, Utah, Oregon, and Florida, you can use Erica. And she's adding more states all the time. So keep checking back at ericaforsyth.com. I'd like to thank the Contour Next One Blood Glucose Meter. Why am I thanking a blood glucose meter, you say? Well, for sponsoring the Juicebox podcast and for being amazing. Contournext.com forward slash Juicebox. Get yourself an accurate, reliable, and easy to carry meter. Hey, if you enjoyed this, you should check out the private Facebook group for Juicebox podcast. It's called Juicebox podcast type 1 diabetes. And there are over 33,000 members in there. People just like you talking about using insulin and all of the things that go with that. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon 
with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast. If you're looking for more episodes with Erica, go to juiceboxpodcast.com, scroll to the top in the menu, and check that mental wellness series. You'll find a whole bunch of stuff there with Erica. That was two very clunky sentences, but I don't have it in me to re-record them. So juiceboxpodcast.com, mental wellness, more stuff with Erica, head on over. Again, thanks for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode.